Hello, I'm Sharon Davis, Chief Executive of Young Enterprise, a national enterprise and financial education charity. Our second series of Enterprising Mindsets shines a spotlight on female founders. My guest today is Charlie Young. Charlie is a chief exec and co-founder of the Girls Network, a charity that provides 14 to 19-year-old girls from the least advantaged communities across England with a female mentor and a network of professional female role models. As a secondary school teacher, Charlie saw firsthand how girls and young women were limited by their gender and background, and she knew she had to do something. So she left teaching and has since grown the charity from supporting 30 girls in 2013 to over 1200 in 2020. Charlie has experience in scaling organisations from idea to reality and has supported social entrepreneurs working in the education and social justice space through Teach First, the Fair Education Alliance and Expert Impact. She's also an enterprise alumna, having started a YE business with a fabulous name, wait for it, Nicker Boxer Glory. Charlie, welcome to Enterprising Mindsets. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Let's just jump straight in. So um, I'm going to ask you a question that I like to ask everybody at the start. What does an enterprising mindset mean to you personally? So I think there are two key things to it for me. Um, one, I think, is curiosity um, about the world, about how the world works, um, wanting to sort of listen and question things, observing what's going on around you, um, spotting patterns and trends. And I think the other thing for me is a sort of positive, why not give it a try kind of attitude, um, playing around with creativity, combining ideas in interesting or unusual ways. I think for me, those are the two the two key bits. And that curiosity and that creativity, do you think that kind of had a contribution to make with you founding the Girls Network? Tell us a little bit how you went on to, to, to found the Girls Network or co-found the Girls Network. Absolutely. I mean, I think some of that curiosity um, came out when speaking to the girls in my classroom when I was teaching trying to better understand what life was like for them, what they wanted to do with their futures. Um, so I was teaching in a fairly disadvantaged school in Northwest London um, and we're teaching brilliant teenagers, absolutely fantastic, engaging um, young people with huge aspirations, um, but fairly quickly noticed that particularly for the girls, there was this sort of double disadvantage whereby because they were girls, they and other people had expectations about how they should behave, how they should look, the kinds of things they ought to, to aspire to. Um, there was a real fear of getting things wrong and fear of failing. And therefore, often girls wouldn't take the opportunities that were there for them. And that was coupled with the fact that for many of them, they were coming from communities where, although very, very supportive often, a lot of the adults weren't working. If they were, they were doing jobs to bring in money rather than pursuing careers they were passionate about. And typically women were working in lower status, lower paid jobs. So for these fantastic young women I was teaching who maybe wanted to be a, a criminal psychologist or an author or a, a lawyer, they saw nobody like them doing that. And therefore they thought, well, someone like me doesn't get to do that. Um, and it was that frustration and that sense of injustice that really drove us to do something about it. Um, and initially we just thought, well, we know brilliant women from different careers. so. Let's introduce them to the girls and try and broaden their, their ideas about what could be possible. Um, and so we had a couple of hours of speed networking one evening where the girls got to talk to lots of different women doing lots of different jobs. And it was incredible because the girls realised they could relate to these women and there was a path between where they were and where these women were. And that was a possibility. And it was that sense of possibility that just changed something in their way of thinking about themselves and their futures. And we just thought if you can do that much in a couple of hours... How much more could you do if you harness that 
care and experience and energy from those women and direct it to the girls that would benefit from it the most. Uh, and that was really the start of the mentoring program. Um, we also did a bit of research to find that the things that make the biggest difference in, in changing young people's expectations about what they can go on to do are one-on-one -on -one conversations with professionals, mentoring relationships and experiences in the workplace. And so that really founded the basis of what we went on, went on to do. It's just fantastic listening to that. And I, I guess the word that kind of springs out to me is relatable. You talk about relatable role models. So what do you think the benefits are of connecting young women with role models? What have you gone on to see happen in terms of impact? Um, some of it is just that you can't be what you can't see, that idea. I mean, obviously it is possible, but it makes it so much more accessible if you can see somebody like you achieving and succeeding. And I think it also makes it much more human. You realise that everybody goes through challenges. Nobody's got it perfect. Everybody suffers with sometimes feeling like they're not good enough or they don't know what they're doing. And I think realising you can have all those feelings and yet still succeed it is a really powerful message for young people and, and adults, to be fair. Um, that actually they may look like they've got it all together, but they've gone through some of the same challenges I'm going through now and yet they're still doing that. So, so it's possible for me too. Um, we've certainly seen as well with the girls, um, real confidence, real growth of confidence in, in learning from a, a role model in that way. Um, confidence in themselves, like I, I'm, I'm able to do this. If you can do it, I can do it too. But also confidence that they can get to wherever it is they want to go because they have people rooting for them and backing them. And they know that they can go and ask them for help. Um, and they're more likely not going to get that help too. That bit about what you say there, I can't, you can't be what you can't see. I, I hear that a lot when it comes to achievements and career and stuff. But it's just as applicable when it comes to being seen to make mistakes, being seen to have failures. And that's just, that's okay. That's, that's fine. You know, you can't be what you can't see. You want to see people making mistakes. So that kind of almost gives you that permission, doesn't it, to, to take those risks? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think sort of reframing failure, everybody fails, but actually it's a great opportunity. Absolutely. And that's actually reframing um, is something I'd like to touch on, really. As someone who personally has benefited from mentors for many years, I've, I've had mentors for many years, it took me a while to understand that having a mentor wasn't because I was missing something. I remember the first time someone said, well, you should think about having a mentor. mentor. I was thinking, oh, it's because I'm missing something. But actually, it's to help you become even more fabulous. So how do you approach inviting young women to engage in the girls' network and how do you involve their families in that journey? Absolutely, and I think that's really, really important. And to my mind, everybody would have a mentor and be a mentor. Um, but when it comes to working with our girls, what's really important to us is that this is a real positive opportunity. This is not a, a, a deficit model. We're not saying you're lacking something, you you aren't good enough and therefore we have to do something to to help mend a problem. Actually, we're saying you're fantastic already. And hey, we've got these amazing women, these amazing opportunities that's just going to make uh, more opportunity for you, make the future even more exciting that we'd love to share with you. And that's been really important for us going back into schools year after year and girls seeing the Girls Network programme as something they aspire to be part of. They want to get onto the programme. They want to stay to sixth form because they get to have a mentor. That for us is a, a real sign of success that that message is getting through. Um, when it comes to, to families, I think for us, it's really important to think about how we communicate what we're doing also. And that particularly when it, we think about mothers, this is not a replacement. This is not any comment on on them but actually another opportunity um, to support their, their young people, their daughters, to do even more than they thought possible. 
And and I, I guess one of the major barriers that I mean we're talking about the Rose Review in terms of barriers to female on, female entrepreneurship. And one of the Rose Review barriers was that women faces lack of access to relatable role models. And you're talking very kind of you know clearly and and succinctly about the benefits of having relatable role models. You're actively working in this area to remedy this. You're doing a cracking job, great impact. What more do you think needs to be done in this area to to ensure that more young women get access to real and relatable role models? I think some of it is continuing to highlight and profile the importance of role models and also the relationships with role models. I think role models are really important, but I think they need to be accessible too. So I think mentoring is a really key part of that as well, or or conversations um, and ways to engage with those role models. Um, But I think one thing, as I say, is providing a platform for role models um, across companies, across schools and in communities as well. I think it's something that everybody can get engaged with. Um, I think the other thing is encouraging and you know, talking about women in particular, encouraging women to know that they have something worthwhile to offer. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, it might be highlighting stories of the work that we do and, and the different types of women that are role models, sort of role models of role models, if you like. Um, other people championing women to put themselves forward because I'm always surprised as to how many incredibly impressive women will approach me with a CV or with the story of their their work and career um, life and ask me if they're good enough to mentor. Do they have enough experience? Do they have anything of value? Um, And I just think it's amazing how many people don't recognize and realize how much they do have to offer. Um, So I think that there's something about making it very clear that your experience and your your story and actually your time is huge value to other people um and and that you really do have something worthwhile to offer that's interesting actually because actually some of the other barriers in terms of the cultural barriers that the rose review identified was was self-belief and also that perceived perceived being the operative word lack of ability so it is more of a societal issue that we really need to to focus on really just to kind of move track slightly perhaps a controversial question but you sometimes hear don't you about women perhaps not sending the lift down or pulling the ladder up when it in terms of supporting other young women to be successful is that something you've seen instances of and, and why do you think that is if you have yeah honestly i have seen some um i mean a handful amongst many, many women that really are working hard. Um, but I think, I think there's a mix of reasons, really. I think sometimes um, there's a feeling of, well, you know, I worked hard to get here. That's what it takes. So that's what you need to do too. Um, you know, it builds character to get to work through all these barriers. Um, and I think the other bit of it perhaps is not wanting to acknowledge the challenges. Um, I've certainly heard women in senior positions claiming to never have felt, faced any discrimination at all. And if that's true, I mean, that's fantastic. But my suspicion is actually they have um, and whether they've not noticed or just it feels like, well, actually, to acknowledge that makes me weaker somehow or, or lesser somehow. Um, I don't know. But it, but to me, those seem to be the things that are driving it. And actually, what we need is allies of all genders to help pull up anyone that might otherwise struggle to access those opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just going to just going to reference that allyship is, is so important. And clearly, Girls Network is extremely successful in providing young women these fantastic opportunities. The impact is fantastic. But it's not actually all one way traffic, is it? Young women have a lot to teach industry in terms of, of communicating with Gen Z. Tell us a little bit about some of the thinking you're starting to do around the value of reverse mentoring, because it's, it, you know, we've spoken before about this and you've got some great ideas about kind of bringing that more to the fore. 
Yes. So we've always seen through the mentoring that the mentors get huge amounts from their mentees in any case. But we've heard increasingly from the organizations that we're working with that they want to better relate to the girls and young women we work with. They want to be able to appeal to and recruit them. And they don't know how Um, they don't know what they're doing wrong and they aren't always succeeding in doing so. And we have fantastic young women who have really articulate explanations of their experiences and the world they live in now and the world they'd like to see. Um, And so we're currently piloting a girl-led mentoring program with a couple of our partners um, to look at how we can support our girls to speak to those in power across some of the organizations we work with to help them think about, well, how do we as a brand come across to these young women? How um, are we opening up our recruitment channels? Is it accessible to those people that, that we want to recruit to enable them to be more diverse in their recruitment and create a system and a workplace that is more supportive of the girls and young women that we support. Um, this also for us is really important because part of our strategy is not just looking at that one-on-one impact, but thinking about how can we bring about systemic change and how can we provide a platform for the voices and experiences of the girls and young women that we support. And for us, this is a really key way for those girls to experience that sense of agency, to speak to those leaves of power, um, for their own benefit and also to help us see that change systemically. That's brilliant. And if there's an organisation out there thinking, I'd love to get involved in that, what's the best way of of getting in touch with you, Charlie? Um, I mean, I'm fairly findable on our website, I think, but I'm charlie at thegirlsnetwork.org.uk. So please uh, drop me an email or or find me on Twitter. Brilliant. So as as part of Young Enterprises Entrepreneurship Programmes, and you'll remember because of Knickerboxer Glory, I have to Mm. say just very quickly, let's just let's just just cover off Knickerboxer Glory. Tell, tell, Tell us, tell everybody, what was this product? I mean, we were ironing funky transfers onto pants and knickers and boxes. Amazing. Um, made a great Christmas present. Did you trademark that, that name? I'm not sure that we did. Perhaps we should have done. should have done. It's <laughs> fantastic. Anyway, we have thousands of young women who are starting their own student businesses at Young Enterprise. Many alumni are keeping going with their entrepreneurial ideas. We're very proud of you. But we want to help them visit, build that confidence and awareness of the skills and mindset they need. What tips would you give young women considering starting a business right now? The two things that stick out as, as fairly important, particularly in our current climate and um, where we are that much more isolated working from home. Um, I think firstly, breaking down what you're trying to achieve into bite-sized chunks. So when you're Starting out on an endeavor, often you can see that big picture, the vision, you know where you want to go, but actually focusing just on the end product can end up being quite overwhelming or demotivating when you're not feeling like you're making enough progress there. Mm -hmm. So actually by setting smaller achievable goals for each day or each week, you can then see that you're making progress towards that bigger goal. So I think that would be one thing. Um, I think the second thing, and I think it supports with that, is having a good support network around you. Surrounding yourself with people that can help you and knowing who they are in advance, I think, as well. So who to go to if you're struggling with financial planning, for example, Um, who's a great sounding board when actually you've got an issue and you just can't work out how to to tackle it. Who do you know is great in helping you work through something Um, or who is the person that picks you up and makes you feel better when you're having a down day? I think knowing who they are and using that support network is really key as well. That is brilliant because everybody needs a cheerleader, right? Absolutely. Earlier in the week, we asked some young women uh, what questions they'd like to ask you. So I've got a couple here, if that's okay. I'm ready. Okay. So the first one is, this is a great one. What's your biggest regret? 
This is such a hard question. Um, and I know that some people sort of take a policy of not having any regrets. I think as a positive person, you know, I perhaps have a tendency to that. But actually looking back and thinking about when I was younger, I think I spent a lot of time worrying that what I had to say wasn't interesting to anybody, um, that probably they'd have thought about it before. And I think I really regret not speaking up more, not being more confident in my view on the world and my thoughts and opinions. Because actually, for the most part, they are interesting to other people. They just seem uninteresting to me because I've already had them and I know them <laughs> and therefore they seem obvious. But actually, you know, as I've got they're older... Not new. They're not new to you, are they? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but actually, often they are new to other people. Or if they aren't, sometimes it's just sort of affirming for other people to hear somebody voicing what they think. Um, that is so, such yeah. a... Br- that's brilliant. That is... I love that. I love that. And do you, at what point in your life did you suddenly go, actually, I'm going to say my, say what I think a bit more. Was there a certain turning point where you thought, I'm going to do this? I think it was gradual, but there were a few moments that really sort of stick in my mind. One was, um, I used to work at the Royal Society of Arts and I had a fantastic line manager then, a lady called Louise Thomas. Um, and she was a few years older than me, um, but was really articulate and would not be afraid sitting in a room full of white older men who had lots of opinions and lots of experience and knowledge I'm certain she was very happy to sit there and state her opinion and not afraid to challenge when she disagreed and I think that was a really good role model for me um and then as I've got on in life just trying it out a bit more realizing actually when I've listened to what people are saying sometimes I think "Mm, I know better than that or I know more than that or actually I can add something to that you haven't said and, and trying it out and realising it does add value and people do want to hear what I have to say. That's a great answer to that question. Thank you. Thank you. I'm hoping that uh, the young woman that's, that, that uh, submitted that is, uh, is happy with that. I've got another one for you. Um, and this one is, you ready, you ready for the second one? I think I'm ready. <laughs> okay. What motivates you when things get really tough? My biggest motivation when I'm having a really tough day is honestly my team and the girls that we work with. We use uh, an online sort of messaging workplace chat called Slack and we have a channel on that called Impact and the team will share stories from girls, from mentors about the impact that the mentoring program is having. Um, That for me is a real source of strength and motivation when I'm having a tough day, when something's not gone my way, when I just can't make a spreadsheet work or, you know, (laughs) whatever it might be. Yeah, we all have those days, yeah. Um, that's That's what lifts me. Or hearing stories directly from some of our girls. We've just had um, our first online celebration event because we couldn't do our big in-person celebration this year. Um, and a couple of our ambassadors who are alumni of our programme have been speaking about the impact that their mentors have had on them and hearing them articulate how their mentor has changed their life for the better is incredibly humbling and incredibly motivating. That's fantastic. Is there a story that springs to mind that you'd want to share? I suppose one I, one I often talk about um, is a fantastic young lady called Sasha, who's one of our ambassadors. and she talks about joining the mentoring program at the beginning of her A-levels. She hadn't really been sure she'd even stay on to do A-levels. She didn't feel like she was particularly academic. No one in her family had been to university, but um, she decided she would, particularly when she heard she had an opportunity to have a mentor. She struggled in her first year of AS levels, but says what she really learned from her mentor was that um, academic success is not a given. Actually, you can work hard and you can bring about change if you want something. And so she worked really hard in her A-levels for the second year, got great grades, went to university to study philosophy, launched her own YouTube channel, 
became social secretary, I think, initially of the Student Union, and then a couple of years ago became the first black female president of Kent Student Union and is an incredible advocate for women's issues, social justice issues, race issues. Um, and this is from a, from a young lady who really doubted herself when she joined the programme and really didn't have that confidence. She's just absolutely blossomed. What an excellent testament to, uh, to, to girls' network, the girls' network. I've got a couple of questions um, left, if I may, Charlie. Um, the first one is, is what two takeaways have you learnt over, over your last few years that you wish someone had shared with you when you were a much younger Charlie? Um, I think sort of building on what I said before about having something valuable to say. And I think also knowing it's okay to say no or to disagree and that doesn't have to lead to conflict. Actually, that can generate really valuable conversation and discussion. It can build relationships and it can lead to a better outcome. So not being afraid of saying no, not being afraid of challenging. Um, I think that would be, be one key thing. I think the second perhaps is recognising that other people's narratives or scripts for life might not be right for me. And even if, you know, I, I think I... I'm a definitely a people pleaser. I do quite a good job of fitting other people's expectations. But actually what I've learned is what's far more important and what makes me far happier is understanding what I want to spend my time doing, the person I want to be, what gives me energy and, and understanding my own expectations for my life. And that has been really key. But that's that's been a lesson to learn because there's a real drive, I think, to to fit certain narratives about how you ought to live life. That person I want to be is quite quiet, isn't it? Uh, it's a quite quiet. You have to really listen hard and other people's expectations. It's really loud. So how do you really find you tuning into that, that person that you want to be? I think paying attention to what gives me energy and what leaves me feeling drained. Yeah, great. Um, probably talking to family and friends as well. You know, I think I've in the past underestimated how well they know me and I think they can often tell when I'm, when I'm happy or not. <laughs> You've been fantastic to talk to. One last question, if I may. What's next? Very good question. Um, I think firstly, seeing the Girls Network flourish across England and honestly outgrowing me. I'd love it to get to a point where it lives on beyond me. And then I'm fascinated in exploring how what we've learned at the Girls Network could be useful and impactful in different settings, be that internationally or in different contexts. But I think there's a lot that can be learned from mentoring and from particularly women supporting girls and young women. Fantastic. Charlie, thank you so much for joining us today. Enterprising Mindset's a podcast brought to you by Young Enterprise. If you like what you hear today, please do subscribe uh, on your favourite podcast app. Thank you very much, Charlie. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thank you.